Morning, everybody. <laughs> uh, forgive me if this will feel a little strange to some, but I, I just feel a compulsion to, to, to do something, actually, for us to pray again. Andrew prayed brilliantly. It wasn't that your prayer was not heard or effective. I just um, think we need to do something. I sense that there's something on the heart of God, and forgive me if I got this wrong, that he just wants to do in us and for us. Would you mind, um, can we just take a moment, that, as we're singing those songs of worship, and, and we sung about welcoming him here, and I don't know where you were thinking here was, um, maybe in this building or in this town or in this nation, and, and amen to all of those. I think there's a special sense in which God wants us to uh, to welcome him in our inner places, what we call our heart, the, the place of our emotions and our will and our choices and our decisions and actually the, the engine of our life in, in, a, in a new and open way. And, and I don't know where that sits with you. But what I want to tell you, because I believe it to be true, is that God is desperate to communicate his heart into our heart. And this word comes with no sense of condemnation or no sense of judgment for any of us. But it's as though we have uh, not created a great amount of space for that. Uh, and perhaps it's the noise of the many voices, perhaps it's the complications, perhaps it's the concerns, perhaps it's the problems, perhaps it's the stuff, the pain, the suffering that is so real and uh, crowds that inner place. So mindful that there's, there's several hundred people in the room, each one different, each one different needs, different concerns, different story, different backgrounds in all of these things. But the heart of God is yearning, is desperate to communicate his love and his presence and his goodness and to fill that space and to embrace all of those things because none of them lie outside the scope of his care. So perhaps the most important thing that we, we're being asked to do today is maybe to place a hand on a heart if you want and just say we welcome you here. 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 a sense of some things to communicate, uh, but nothing will be more important than that. Um, and hopefully some of the things reinforce that. Um, it's lovely to be back, by the way. Thanks to those um, who've welcomed us back. And if we haven't had a personal chance to say hi, uh, you, uh, you may be a visitor here for you, uh, with a newcomer or old time. You're so welcome. Hills and I, my wife, we've been away for uh, quite a long time uh, in some really lovely places, but it's always great, a great joy to reconnect, um, but receive a hello from us. And uh, yeah, baby Micah, what a, what a fantastic occasion. Um, 
today is for him. And of course, by happy providence, we're in the midst of a term's worth of messages based around uh, some famous words in the book of the Old Testament book of, of Micah. So the, all attention is on Micah today. Um, I'm campaigning actually for the whole of next year's series to be from the book of Timothy. I think that would be, I think that would be really good. That's, the, that's my sense, Andrew, from the Lord there. Um, friends, I might have to just abbreviate a bit. Um, what I feel permission from the Lord, encouragement from the Lord to do actually today is to zoom out slightly from that tight focus um, in that particular passage, it was in the, the, the little trailer there, uh, to zoom out a bit to the wider context, which is, is there in the passage, where God effectively says, let me remind you who I am. Let me remind you who I am and, and something of what my heart is and something of what I've done for you. Out of which then that is a response. That's part of the response, isn't it? Acting justly, loving mercy, walking humbly. These are, these are responses to something that God has already done. And uh, the, the big picture that sits over these November messages, actually, that I received from Andrew is God's big picture. Um, which I love, and it's so permission to zoom out, and even as I uh, saw those words, I was reminded of something that we did on the way back from Hawaii. Oops. (laughs) I promised you I wasn't going to make you jealous. It's probably a fine every time I say Hawaii. There's another Tempe. Um, we, we, we stopped off in LA on the way home. We went to something called the Griffiths Observatory. Some of you will know it, some of you won't. It's a bit like the London Planetarium, except that this being America, it's the biggest, brightest, highest, greatest, widest, largest, most extraordinary uh, place. And within it, a presentation as you sit back in an armchair. And this entire dome, it's on your picture there, uh, becomes a, a screen in incredible technology. And we were just treated to the most remarkable, phenomenal display, presentation of the whole history of the cosmos and the stars and the skies and the constellations and a narration of something of what that has been over the centuries and man's fragile attempts to understand what this is as, as a way of understanding our story. The narrator said, this is, all of this is essentially, a, uh, isn't it, an attempt to go, so, so who are we? How do we fit into this great big picture of the cosmos and the universe and everything? What, what brings meaning to us? Where do, what are we made for and from? And I have never felt in one way God's presence so conspicuous by his absence in this highly secular presentation. It was remarkable and God was so present to us even though he wasn't mentioned and even though some other explanations were given that we might not agree with. Because God is the big picture and he's the author of the cosmos and he's our creator and actually the answer to that question, what are we made for, can only be understood not by what we dream up but what the creator dreamt up, who created, only he can say what we're made for. And it just took me to the biggest picture of all, which is that we're made to be loved by him. Focus of it all is that we're made to be loved by him. That's why we're made. That is primary purpose right there. We're created to be the objects of God's love. I love all kinds of um, animals, you know, as we all do, camels and whatever. Um, (laughs) He says struggling for an animal that he loves. (laughs) Grizzly bears. Wasps. I don't like wasps. They're demonic. Um, (laughs) Turtles, dolphins. Love them. Um, Got to swim with some of them in... Oh, no. (laughs) I'm sure God God loves uh, all those and all those things that he made. And as wonderful as they all are, as wonderful as nature all is, um, the object of the creator's deep affection 
deepest affection is not anything else other than you, the creator of the entire cosmos. His deepest affection is reserved for you and for this rusty heart. It's the reason he made us, made us to love us. The Bible says this, and in, in, uh, Paul wrote to some, a bunch of people like us a while ago, and he said uh, in Ephesians, long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. Could stop right there. Uh, only the Holy Spirit of God can connect these words to our hearts, and I, I, we're praying that he would. But can we get a sense of that? Could we dwell on that for a bit? Before he created the whole thing, before he made the whole universe, he made it so that he could make, uh, so that he could make the human race, so that he could make you, so that he could love you. God loved us, chose us in Jesus to be holy without fault in his eyes, destined, uh, decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself. And this gave him great pleasure. Don't you love it when you read something like that about God? It gave him great pleasure to make us, to set his affection upon us, to draw us into that family. He wasn't lonely, by the way. He lived in perfect, loving community, fellowship, Father, Son, and Spirit. But he chose he chose to make us, to draw us into that loving community, to be a part of that, to share that mutual affection. The primary reason for my life is to be loved by God. Let that sink in. Before it's to do anything, before it's even to love God, before actually it's even to worship God, before it's even to, to serve or, or bless others or make something good of our lives, First things, for all of those are great, they're, they're a response to the first thing. And what's the first thing that we're made to be loved? It's the most important thing. It's your most important identity. You're made to be loved by the creator of the universe. To enjoy a relationship of love with him. I reckon our biggest problem, and I don't say this lightly, biggest problem on, on, on planet Earth, we could point to a few big scale, national, international, Zimbabwe, whatever, Syria. Biggest problem on planet Earth, biggest problem the human race has ever faced, biggest problem that you and I face in our lives generally is that we don't know and experience how much God loves us. Paul goes on to pray this then uh, for that bunch and, and he's praying it. I, I reckon we're, we're praying it for us. Jesus is interceding at the right hand of the Father. He's praying this. I pray that Jesus will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust him. And may your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to grasp, as all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep this love really is. And may you experience, the word there in Greek, experience deep, intimate experience, felt, not just known, felt, this love of God. May you experience the love of Jesus. Though it's so great, you'll never fully grasp it. You'll never fully grasp it. Dolphins will never understand the internet. We'll never quite get our heads. Of course we won't get our heads around it. But know something more. Please, God, take us deeper into the width, the breadth, the, the love, the height. Wide enough to be everywhere, by the way. I believe that there'll be people sitting in this room and you are lonely. I've known something of, of loneliness. Um, but you're not alone. Why? Because God's love is wide enough not to exclude anyone. That includes you.
long enough to last forever, our fragile human love. We know it's a bit fickle at times. We know it comes and goes. Sadly, we know it ebbs. We know it can, it can run out at times. We don't want it to, but it sort of does. God's never does. Deep enough to handle anything. I say this really carefully. I'm a reasonably sensitive pastoral kind of a person. But I'm going to say this. God's love is deep, deep enough to handle anything that is going on in your life that has, is, or will. There is no, no, uh, no, no pit of pain, of suffering, of grief, of crisis. And again, I'm looking out over a body of people and there'll be those things going on in us, many of us. There is no pit where God's love is not deeper still to hold and embrace and make a difference in that place. How good is that? High enough <clears throat> to deal with all of my stuff and my self stuff, all those self things, self promotion, self sufficiency, self whatever. It's the, it's the, it's the heart of the rebellion in, in the first garden, isn't it? No God, no thanks to you, I'll do it my way. Oh, God's love is, is high enough to, to handle all of that. The, the arms of Jesus spread wide on the cross. They dealt with that. They meant that we could come into a place of freedom and of forgiveness, of healing. God says, I've always loved you. There has never been a moment of your existence where I haven't known you and loved you. I planned your birth. I wanted you alive. Why? So that I could love you. I saw you in your mother's womb. I saw you take your first breath. I heard your first cry. By the way, it's baby city around here at the moment, isn't it? It's like, just welcome, just see little, um, I don't know the first name, Dory. What's happened since we've been away? Loads of babies. God, think back to when you were a baby, God knew you. He heard your first cry. He, he, he set his affection on you from that first moment. You took your steps, you grew, he put breath in your lungs. I've seen every pain that you've gone through, every hurt that you've suffered or indeed caused to others, the highs, the lows, the happy times, the sad times, the grief, the exhilaration. I've been there at every moment. And at every moment, whether you know it or not, whether you accept it or not, tough, <laughs> I've been gazing on you in love because I made you to love you. And I wonder if one of the questions for us this morning, friends, isn't this um, then, it, how is God's loving heart? Those words don't even begin to do it justice, but how is his loving heart growing in our hearts and what's it doing there? And how is it shaping our hearts? How are ours being more shaped by his? That's the whole point, isn't it? I mean, there's this staggering truth for followers of Jesus. When we accept this invitation, we go, yeah, I need that love. I, I can't do life by myself. I accept your offer. <coughs> Look, excuse me. There's this staggering truth, isn't there? That in a mysterious way that we don't quite get our heads around, the Holy Spirit of God himself comes to take up residence even within us. Don't ask me how that works, but it's what he says and it's what he does. So if the Holy Spirit of the Creator God, not diminished in any way, takes up residence in, in my frail heart, question for us is, well, what's he doing there? And how is that heart being transformed? And therefore, how is that then expressing itself in the world at large? How, what is, what's going on there? What can I expect? What will that do? He's not over there somewhere and I need to kind of walk and find him and get some advice and then walk over here and carry on with my life. No, he, he says he walks with me. He talks with me. A long life's narrow way, he says. An old chorus coming to mind. Jesus drew alongside some people. Hills reminded me of this yesterday. Some of Jesus' followers 
uh, were walking along the road. Jesus drew alongside. They didn't even recognize him. I don't think it's because he disguised himself. I think they just didn't recognize him. So, so distracted, blinded, whatever they, by they were by their own sort of agenda and their stuff in that moment. Friends, if we're followers of Jesus, he, he promises to be within us. Are we recognizing him? Oh, I pray that we are. But not just recognizing, welcoming him, allowing his heart to shape ours, moving within us, opening ourselves up more. Not as some separate activity. I, I, I know we believe this uh, and we, we love us and we... we I know the cry of so many hearts here is going, yeah, more, more, more of you and more of me, more shaping of my heart. Because it changes everything. That's the point. This isn't some kind of loving where we just get to enjoy that, you know, that all, and then the rest of the world can go hang. No, no, no. The whole point, the whole point is that we're loved in order then to express that love. The whole point of my inmost being being transformed into the likeness of Jesus is that I then represent the perfect love of God the Father, as I'm filled by the Holy Spirit daily, in a world that is desperate for this. Desperate for this. Whether it knows it or not. Because it's why they were made. It's why we're made to be loved. So what happens when my heart gets more shaped by God? So I, I get accepted rather than feel ashamed. That's massive. If I were to play the secret thoughts of your heart on a video, this screen or mine for that matter, right here, right now, you would not be comfortable. Why? Because we carry shame. We carry some guilt. We carry some stuff. We carry some secrets. And, and we have parrots on our shoulder. I have this religious parrot on my shoulder. You probably see him from time to time. You certainly see the effects of him, and I'm sorry for that. I do. Um, and he whispers, Tim, you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not, you know, you've had all these advantages in life, but you're still not this, and you're not that, and you're not the other. And there's a well, it, it triggers, it, it taps into that sense of shame. I'm not who I want to be. If you knew who I really was, you wouldn't love me. I'd get rejected. I certainly wouldn't have this job. All of that stuff. Do you have a parrot on yours? What does he say to you? You have them. You're not beautiful enough. You, you're not worth much. You wish you'd done that better. That was your fault. Not up to much. God can't love me. He might love the person next to me, not me. These are demonic parrots. And it is a deeper awareness of the love of God that kills them. Kill my parrot. Sorry to be, I love parrots. <laughs> <laughs> it is, though. It's the only voice that can silence the parrot or quieten it down. So, no, I'm not having that. I'm loved, I'm accepted. I, I don't need to carry shame and fear and guilt. I can be free from that stuff. That's a freedom, I tell you. These are only headlines. There's so much to these. I can be bold in bringing my needs to God. Why? Because if I know that I'm truly loved, then anything's possible, isn't it? How, how, how much of you dads and mums, how much of a problem do your kids have in telling you what they need? My, my kids, okay, they're a little bit older, but it doesn't stop them asking for stuff. <laughs> they don't come to me, oh, you know, pater gru, the progenitor of the, the gru household and keeper of all the treasury. Uh, may I? No, dad, can we have some money? <laughs> is something that they were happy to say and still do. The answer might be no, but they have no... Increasingly, it's no, actually. Go, go and earn your own. Um, but 
but they have no problem in asking. Why? Because they're kids that they're, they're secure, in, not secure enough in, in something of their parents' love. Abraham Lincoln, president of America, you know this story. He had a little lad called Tad. And one of the things that was known about Lincoln was that even if he was having the most important meeting in the Oval Office, this little Tad had access any time into the office. It doesn't matter what it was. And he would take him up on his knee and give him his full attention, look him in the eyes and say, what do you want? And Tad would say what he wanted. Why? We have access 24-7 to not just the creator of the universe, but the one whom we can call father, those of us who have entered that relationship, as a son, as a daughter. So it's the love of God that enables me to be bold in that relationship. Not sort of, oh, I wonder if I can dare to ask this or express this or say that. How good is that? What a treat. I can have peace in pain that I don't understand. The more that God's loving heart shapes my heart, I can have peace in pain that I don't understand. And friends, we don't understand so much. The more we grow, don't you think, as we get older, the more you realize you don't understand very much. That's, that's me right now. Could be a midlife crisis, but I don't think so. I think it's just I don't know very much. But actually, um, explanations are not great comforters anyway, are they? Particularly in pain and suffering. You don't need an explanation for your pain and suffering. That doesn't make it go away. If somebody dies, an explanation as to why they die, that doesn't make it any more comfortable, does it? I'm not saying explanations are wrong, but there's a peace that does what? Goes beyond understanding, that surpasses understanding, that comes from what? An intimate knowledge of the love of God that then enables me to be held in that place where I'm in grief and in pain and suffering or I'm holding the hand of somebody else who does. My old dad, I told a few stories about my old dad. He died a couple of years ago. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a man more at peace because his heart was guarded and his mind was guarded. He lost neither his heart nor his mind in, in, a, in a huge physical decline. His body sort of clapped out in every conceivable way. And it was pretty uncomfortable and pretty messy. But because he knew the love of God in the very depths of his being, he was kept in a place of, of peace. All of this is a gift to us. All of this comes... Friends, all of it as the activity of receiving more of God's heart in ours. As we welcome him. I might grow encouraged to take some bigger risks. Again, mums and dads, you remember that moment, your, your little ones, I remember all four of us, uh, that, that moment in the swimming pool where they, they're on the edge and you're, you're in the water, mum and dad's in the water and you're encouraging them to jump, you know, that beautiful moment. And they say, oh no, I don't, I'm not going, oh no, I'm not going to. Come on, come on, come on, it's okay. And eventually one of them takes the plunge and why, why is it okay? It's okay because daddy's there and he's going to catch you and he does catch you and it's, it's okay. So might you pop out and you do it the next time, you do it the next time and then there's nothing, there's no stopping them jumping in. Why? Because daddy's there. Abba Father is there. His arms are so secure that there is nowhere I could go and nothing that I could do that actually, in a way, represents any kind of risk. Risk is a really good thing. Don't get me started on the values that underlie our society, which is trying to eliminate risk from everything because it's the worst thing since whatever the wasps. Risk is, a, is an inherent part of life. And God is saying, no, take some risks. The, the irony there is they're not really risks anyway. Come on, kingdom people, take some risks. The world is desperate for this. Desperate for the love of God. Take some risks in expressing it more. 
I'm not great at this, you know me, I'm not a huge risk taker, but I, I don't know, there's been a bit of a surge of something. I, I was sitting in Costa the other day in Worcester waiting for my, my counselling session. Yeah, friends, I still need loads of counselling. Um, and uh, it was quite a busy Costa. There's a guy there behind the, the uh, I was going to say the bar, the, you know, saying counter, the barista. Um, and I just, I looked at this guy and he's a young lad, I'm a bit of a father heart. I just, I think I... I want to reach out to this guy, God. And, and, and God gave me this thing. He said, I, I think his name might be Simon. Uh, or it could be Dan. Or, or there's a Dan in his life who's in trouble or something. And then I saw this guy limping really badly, actually. He's a young guy, looked fit, but he's just limping really badly. So I kind of picked my moment when the queue had died down, dived across, went behind his thing. I said, this, this is going to sound really, really weird. Uh, I'm just one of those people who believes that God loves you. And as a sign of his love, actually, he, he can heal you. And I believe... Um, and that's right. I said, and so I said, is your name Simon? He said, no. I said, oh, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. He said, it's Dan. I said, oh, that's, <laughs> that's great. I said, I wonder if there's a Dan involved, and it's you. Um, and I can see that you're limping. Are you in pain? Yes. Two or three days ago, don't know what happened. I really, really hurt myself. Uh, I said, well, I, I believe God's going to heal you because he loves you. Friends, this is not my default position. I really don't you know, say that to do this. I'm just trying to learn to take bigger risks. And I said, would you mind if I pray for you? He said, yeah. I said, my, he said, my girlfriend kind of thinks that this kind of stuff can happen. I said, she's right. I said, okay. <laughs> I, said, I, said I believe God's going to heal. I put my hand on his hip and I prayed, you know, abracadabra. Prayed my best prayer. I didn't say that. I'm teasing. <laughs> and, um, and he goes, oh, my God. <laughs> he starts walking up and down. And I did the whole Robbie Dawkins 10 to 1 thing. How's the pain level? And they said, it's 2. I said, well, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, I'm as shocked as he is and <laughs> pretended not to be. And, um, and uh, put, put my hand on his hip again. We prayed and he was completely released from the pain that he'd been carrying for two or three days. And I'm going, by the way, I think I probably, I, I might have gone that far and been that bold. I, I, I had a, an extra surge of faith because of the family WhatsApp group where there was a couple of testimonies that morning from our children about different things that had gone on. It's amazing how testimony raises faith in that moment. I just want to lob that in. We're learning that, aren't we? Courage in taking risks. Do you know, I haven't even got back to Micah. I said I was going to zoom out and then zoom back in. Can we zoom? We're going to be zooming back in next time. My last thing that... that, that um, <laughs> forgive me. <laughs> um, I guess the last thing I was going to say, though, was around how we then relate to others. It was how the, the heart of God that forms within our hearts then enables us, bit by bit, this is not an overnighter, this is not one of the Bible's suddenlies, is it? This is a journey, we get that. But there can be breakthroughs in, in, our, in our journeys, can't there? There can be suddenly moments. There can be those moments where we go, yes, and God does something decisive. And then it expresses itself, and this is about expressing itself in the world, because God sends us. God sends the family into the world and says, your, your, your task, the reason you're not actually with the family now in heaven is that there's a job to do, and the job to do is to, get others, is to gather others into the family. So loving justice and acting justly and being merciful and walking humbly, they're all expressions of love. They're all relational, aren't they? And they come under that banner of God's love, God's heart. And Jesus perfectly expresses the love of the Father. In everything. So look at every interaction that Jesus ever had with anybody. Just fantastic to keep rereading the gospel stories. Look at every single encounter. And it doesn't matter who it's with. Somebody that he knows who's close to him. Somebody he doesn't know who's a stranger. Somebody who likes him. Somebody who hates him. A crowd in a city. A crowd in the countryside. 
Somebody who's sick, somebody who's well, a wealthy tax accountant, kind of the guy who lives on the hill as well as the guy who lives in the gut. It doesn't matter. Behind every single encounter, what do you see? You see a heart that is beating with love for that person or those people. He sees only in an undiluted, uncontaminated, pure way through the eyes of love and compassion. Oh, that's Jesus, isn't it? I'm not like Jesus. He's got advantage. He's got... No, 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 no. Jesus shed his advantage. He laid aside his advantages as the king of glory, took on human form, and walked in step and full of the Spirit. We are co-heirs with Jesus. What does that mean? We inherit exactly the same privilege to walk in step with the Spirit, to be full of the Spirit, to join in our hearts, to become more like his heart. That's the whole point. Our lenses can be like that too. As we head into Andrew's great phrase, what are you going to be doing this time tomorrow? I love that. What are you going to be doing? Who are you going to be rubbing shoulders with this time tomorrow? How do you see that person or those people, friend or foe, family, crowd, individual, person in the mansion, person in the gutter? Would we dare to believe that God's love will express itself more and more and more and more in our hearts so that we... Do you remember Hills' glasses, the pink glasses of faith? I want, to, I want to borrow a different one. How about the contact lenses of compassion? <laughs> that we would see and therefore act, because how we see is then how we act, to everybody like that. Compassion, not judgment. Uh, God's giving me a hard time about my judgment, and I'm praying, God, would you make me more compassionate? Why? Because that's the heart of Jesus. It's the heart of the Father. He never condemns anybody. Desperate to welcome them into his embrace. I need to stop. Um, yeah, I need to stop. Um, I guess there's a, a, a bit of the partnership that we bring to this, isn't there? Um, and it's somewhere on a scale, in my view, from I'll do it because I'm supposed to, and I'm supposed to pray those kind of prayers, and I've been a follower of Jesus for, for some years now or for some time, uh, I'm not in a great place, but I can just about bring some obedience to that and to go, yes, Lord, make me a bit more loving kind of thing. I think a step on from that, there's a willingness to embrace uh, more of the heart of God in my heart. I think there's a step on from that, which I might call hunger, a genuine hunger. I really want to be transformed. I really acknowledge that only God can do that and actually only his presence, which is his love there, almost synonymous, uh, is needed in my heart. And then I might say, friends, there's a desperation for that, for the more of God. And again, I, I don't know where, if you can easily pitch yourself on that scale, whether you like that scale, whether that resonates with you or not. And there's no judgment in it, by the way. There never is. We see, see so much. I see so much with judgment in blood, with criticism. Oh, no, that's terrible, Tim. What? That's the religious parrot. Kill it. Again. It's just a recognition. Here's where I am. In my but, but, but do you understand that the more hungry we are for this, the more we're prepared to seek, the more we're prepared. Jesus says, seek. Your part is to seek. Your part is just to bring yourself in all of your reality. Don't clean up your act before you feel you can step into God. That's religious. That's the religious parrot again. It's Old Testament theology, by the way. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord, those with clean hands and a pure heart? As if we've got to clean up our act before. No, Jesus did dealt with that. We have access. Crumbly old hearts. 
But we need to come. We need to respond because he doesn't force it on us. He's not going to force his heart into ours. It's a yes from us. And the size of our yes is linked to the size of our hunger for that. Amen. Amen. I think we'll stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. David was beautifully described. Could you, could you imagine this? As, I sometimes imagine you know, tombstones and epitaphs and things. Could you imagine this being written of you? He was described as a man after God's own heart. I don't think it gets much better than that in terms of what we bring to the party, in terms of desire. Above all else, to be someone after God's heart which means to know him and to be known by him, to love him as a response to his love for us. David wrote this. Let's give him the last word. One thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. One thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. This is David. He he didn't stick in a room, spend his life just talking to God. He did a whole bunch of stuff really, really well. It's not about disconnection from the world. It's about the way that we connect with that world it starts there. Why? Because we're made for this. We're made to receive the love of God. One thing. from my mouth to know what to do with this moment and we make no apology if you're new for creating this space and time now before other things need to happen to do some I don't know holy digestion let's call it
been with us before, you'll know that one of the ways that the response which is already being drawn by the Lord from hearts here is to do that with others um, and for others to say, yeah, I'll, I'll stand with you in that, bless you in that, thanks God for what you're doing in that, thanks for that response, thanks for what you want to do. And we do that up at the front because uh, there's more space up here. It's also just a little way of marking a moment and saying, yeah, I'm, he, he, here's a slightly bigger yes, Lord, I'm going to come and say that. So I, I'm, if, if that's you and you just want to come and receive in that way, be prayed for in that way, it doesn't mean explaining lots of stuff, by the way, just come. That's just a normal thing that we do here. I want to invite you. So don't wait for further invitation. If you know that you want prayer, you want to come, you want to respond. There's lots of resonances. You've heard the word of the Lord to you. You want to give a yes to whatever it is. Come, just come, 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 come. Members of the family will come and encourage you and cheer you on and say, yay God, more of you and this heart. Just come, please come. But don't switch off, friends. Don't switch off. There's more, there's more, there's more, there's more is too important to run away from. We believe that uh, God is still speaking. He never says anything that's not in line with his written word in the Bible, but he speaks and um, he will have been speaking and many have heard personal words for them. I think there's one or two more things. I've just had a picture of us bringing uh, that thing that we call our heart, which isn't external to us. It's the most deeply internal thing, but it's as if we're holding it and going, God, here's my heart. Will you do something with it? And if that's you, that's, what, that's your prayer. God, would you do something? Would, you, would your heart mesh with my heart? Would you do something in my heart? Let me, I, I, I'll seek after you for that. I'll ask for that. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it looks like. But I want more of your heart and more of my heart. And you're presenting your heart to God in a very humble way. Perhaps with a new bit of degree of hunger. If that picture hits you, then that's for you. And that means that God wants to bless that desire. And we'd love to, to pray for you in it. So come forward. I think there's stuff about people being dry and dissatisfied. I think there's stuff about a longing for more of God's love. I think there's stuff about um, the parrots that you want to kill. The love of God does that. We don't. I think there's stuff about more risk-taking. I think there's stuff about seeing with more compassion. I think if you're in physical need, maybe especially in the light of the story I've just told, your hip, your leg, that kind of thing, pain there would love to pray for healing. But there'll be other things too. I think, Hills, you've got a couple of things. Just come and share. Just keep coming forward. Don't wait. If you're feeling a little nudge inside, we would say that's the Holy Spirit of God and he wants to do some even more good things in you. So just come. Please don't be frightened. Um, I just had a sense that there might be somebody here this morning and um, in your heart you've given up on your marriage. Um, you may not have told anyone, but in your heart you've given up on your marriage. And I just sense that um, this morning that God wants to help you. Uh, he knows and he wants to help you and nothing is impossible with him, but you need to tell someone. Um, and so if that's you, um, please feel free to come and tell uh, either Tim or myself or somebody here that can pray for you. Uh, 
because God's on your side and He's for you and He's with you and He loves you. I also had a sense that there might be somebody here who's carrying an injury from work and uh, it's not a physical injury, it's a heart injury. You've been wounded uh, either by somebody specifically or by something that's happened. I think that might have been the case for a while and uh, God wants to release His freedom um, and His healing into your life. And I also sense that there might be somebody here this morning and you've had some news this week and it feels like that news um, has just sort of kind of brought your world crashing down on you or around you. And again, if that's you, God wants to meet with you and um, encourage you and bless you and minister to you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Let's stay, let's stay connected. Let's stay connected. The Lord has good things for everybody. Nobody gets left out might be that you want to just sit quietly. Uh, parents of young ones, in, in a moment you'll need to go and honour the kids team. Uh, why, don't you, why don't you choose to bless the group leader that your child is in this morning, or if there's a moment for that, or just encourage them along the way. Maybe you have a, a word of God for them.